When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug & Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug & Associates, this is Mickey Marquis. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. And here we go again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting Sunday podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with my fake black friend, White Boy Malcolm X. And White Boy Malcolm X, quick question for you. Before we jump in, are you celebrating Women's History Month this month? Are you identifying as female? Or are you, I mean, do I need to be calling you White Girl Malcolm X, White Gal Malcolm X, White Woman Malcolm X? Are you doing any of that? Oh, no. Okay. I'm just... I want to be as woke as possible. Everyone knows how woke I am. So I just want to make sure that I am honoring and respecting Women's History Month for you, sir, ma'am, however you choose to identify this month. But if you are identifying as as a man still, then we will not touch that. I know you just got off of Black History Month as fake black. So I didn't know whether you were going to do fake woman and continue on, but I guess not. Okay, good to know, good to know, good to know. And so let's go ahead and jump right in. We got a lot to do, but before we jump into our news quick hits, I have two things. First, screw you, Apple. Yes, White Boy Malcolm X, screw you, Apple, Apple computer. Yes, the one and the only Apple computer. And no, my MacBook Pro is actually not crashing a lot these days. In fact, it hasn't crashed in a while. I don't know what patch they did recently, but it seems to have fixed the ever crashing MacBook Pro. No. My Apple Watch gave me some, no trigger warning too. It gave me a little bit of, I felt unsafe. I felt threatened by my Apple Watch the other day. And a few people are like, Miller, what the, what the heck is going on with Apple and your Apple Watch? What, what could have triggered you so much? Well, folks, everyone knows that I am gay obese, right? I have talked about that numerous times on this program. And so for me, I have to exercise, right? Because I certainly don't want to go to like gay, morbidly obese or gay, I don't know, Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> Whatever classifications above gay obese that are there, I don't want to know about them. I don't want to, certainly don't want to be them, but I have to exercise, right? And so I do walking. And so I use the Apple Watch to kind of track my walks, track my fitness, all that other stuff. So I hit the little exercise thing, and that's the little icon of the man running or the woman running or the non-binary person running, whatever Apple calls that thing. And I hit it, and the screen pops up. Normally, you select whether, you know, like treadmill or outside walk or running or whatever, and there is Anderson Cooper's face <laughs> right there. And at 4.35 o'clock in the morning, the last thing I want to see is Anderson Cooper's face on my Apple Watch. And I was triggered, folks. I have to admit it. Uh, I was very triggered by that. It, I don't know what it, it's called. Time to walk with Anderson Cooper. 
It is a 36-minute something. I don't know if it's a podcast. I don't know if it's a video. I don't know what it is. I am, quite frankly, I am afraid to press it to find out because God knows what other queens would appear on my watch if I did. Because all that does when you hit that button, it just triggers Apple to be like, hey, he liked time to walk with Anderson Cooper. Let's give him time to walk with, I don't know, Rachel Maddow, <laughs> Shepard Smith. I'm trying to think of some people in in media who are queens. Uh, Don Lemon is one from CNN. Uh, what's that queen on MSNBC? Thomas Roberts, I think is his name. I don't know, RuPaul. Although, quite frankly, I wouldn't mind if RuPaul did one. I probably would listen to that. But the last thing I want is some other stupid leftist queen on my phone talking to me for 36 minutes. Anderson Cooper. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so I was triggered. I'm sorry, folks. I was just triggered by that. So I wanted to say, screw you, Apple. I didn't ask for Miss Cooper on my phone, or my watch rather, and I would appreciate it greatly if one of you virgin pajama boys over at Apple would remove it as quickly as possible. And for our second item, and on a happier note, since I did start the program with Screw You Apple, White Boy Malcolm X, did you know that the birdcage is 25 years old at this point? It is. The birdcage with Robin Williams and Nathan Lane turned 25. I saw that on my Apple TV while uh, channel surfing the other day. God, who else was in that? So you had Gene Hackman. You had, uh, hold on, Hank Azaria is another one. Diane Weist was another one. And we just saw her in The Lost Boys as well. <laughs> and don't ask why we were watching The Lost Boys from 1987. It was just a good trip down memory lane. But The Birdcage, 25 years. I did enjoy that movie back in the day. And maybe I will watch it again at some point. But... Not right now, because we have news quick hits. And so, folks, we have to give you an update from our story on Wednesday. We did talk about a potentially rapey kangaroo getting out in Alabama. It was loose as of last Wednesday, but it has been caught. And this is from the UPI. Escaped kangaroo captured after two days on the loose in Alabama. And this story, folks, we did talk about the kangaroo named Jack got out and it was out and about. And so we did a public service announcement on Wednesday's program because after the Australian story about the rapey kangaroo that was lusting after that woman and attacked that woman who was wearing Sarah Jessica Parker perfume, I knew, folks, that there were probably, most likely, most definitively, a lot of people in the state of Alabama, women or people who identified as women, who would be using Sarah Jessica Parker perfume. So we wanted to make sure that they knew that they they could be turning a, a randomly escaped kangaroo into some horny attack kangaroo. So we wanted to give them that public service announcement. But you folks in Alabama and in the neighboring states, you all can rest easy, sleep well tonight because that kangaroo has been caught. It is locked up again, so you are safe. But... There is another UPI story, Emu on the Loose After Escape from Washington State Farm. So I don't know if this rises to the level of a public service announcement because we have no history, folks, of emus being rapey towards humans. But just, just to make sure that uh, you folks are on the lookout in Washington State, here's a couple of details. A farm in Washington state is asking residents to keep a lookout for an escaped emu that slipped through a damaged section of fencing. AJ's Acre in Everett, so if you're in the Everett area, be on the double lookout, said someone cut through the facility's fence Wednesday night, allowing three emus to get loose. Two of the large Australian birds were soon recaptured, 
which is good to know because the last one we wanted was three of these things running around, but the third named Sarah remained at large. So we have a female emu out on the loose and we don't know the tendencies of emus to attack humans or to try to sexually assault humans, but we better be on the safe side with this. We better act accordingly. I don't know if Sarah the emu is a lesbian, so who knows if she would be turned on by Sarah Jessica Parker perfume. Probably not, right? We will assume, it is safe to assume that Sarah the emu is not a lesbian attacking other women, so she would probably attack a man. And so we have to look at women who rape men. And right off the top of my head, folks, the only women that I can think of that rape men, and not even men, the only people I can think of, the only women I can think of who do this are high school teachers, and they love to rape that teacher bait, right? And we know that because we have story after story after story here on this podcast about high school teachers looking at that fresh teacher bait going, nom, 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 yummy, I want that, and they go after it. So folks in Washington, the best I can recommend to you at this time, at this moment in time, is to lock up your teenage boys because we don't know about this emu. It could be the high school teacher of emus, and it might be out there stalking teenage boys to assault and molest them. So just to be on the safe side, go ahead and lock them in the basement. They're not going to know they're locked in there anyway, right? They're going to spend the next 20, 30 years down there before they move out as adults when they decide they want to start adulting. So go ahead and lock them down there. Let them play their video games. They won't know. Just to be on the safe side, right? We just want to make sure that if there is a rapey emu out there and is going to attack a teenage boy like a high school teacher would, we want to make sure that they are safe and sound. And what do you bet, White Bow Malcolm X, that... We will see on the news that there are roaming groups of teenage boys out there searching for that emu, looking to get laid. (laughs) But that is what happens with teenage boys. And moving on from potentially rapey emus, Rasmussen reports 54% oppose transgender sports trend. Ooh, some of you people are in trouble. Here's the poll quote. President Biden sparked controversy by signing an executive order mandating that transgender athletes be allowed to compete in girls' and women's sports, a move that most Americans oppose. A new Rasmussen Reports national telephone and online survey finds that only 32% of American adults favor allowing transgender students to participate on the sports teams of the gender they identify with. 54% oppose transgender participation on sports teams of the opposite sex, 14% are undecided. So I know what happens to you, 54%. I know who goes into the camps first. (laughs) The re-education camps, that is. I know who's going there first. You folks who don't agree with the transgender agenda, off you go. This is from CNS News, CPAC. And yes, folks, that is the same CPAC with a stage design like some ancient Nordic Nazi rune or something like that. CPAC honors openly gay Scott Presler with 2021 Ronald Reagan Award. So they honored a queen, white boy Malcolm X, at CPAC on that Nazi stage. And here's the pull quote from that. The Conservative Political Action Conference, which describes itself as the largest and most influential gathering of conservatives in the world, honored the openly gay Scott Presler with its Ronald Reagan Award on Saturday, February 27th in Orlando, Florida. The Ronald Reagan Award was established to honor the often unnamed or overlooked conservative activists who work in the political trenches day after day to advance conservative ideas, policies, and candidates. 
And if you folks were wondering why Scott Presler was given this award, here are some details on that. Scott was given the award by CPAC because of his extensive work in organizing and helping to clean up parts of inner cities riddled with trash and abandoned property. Presler also engaged in political speeches and get-out-the-vote efforts on the streets and online to help re-elect Donald Trump in 2020. So this, I guess he's kind of a kid. I don't know. He's like early 30s or something. I did see, he's like six foot five, white boy Malcolm X. This guy's like Sasquatch. <laughs> I'm 6'3", but he is six foot five, this big, tall kid with super long hair. Kids in his early 30s. I don't even know if he would remember Ronald Reagan the first time around, but they gave him that award and well, fine, yes, I am a little butthurt <laughs> that they didn't give me the award. Of course, they're going to give a queen that award I wanted. I want the Ronald Reagan Award. I remember Ronald Reagan the first time out. That's how old I am, but they did not give it to me. They gave it to some six foot five queen in his early 30s. No, I'm kidding, folks. I am actually happy that Scott got the award. But uh, I tell you what, though, White Boy Malcolm X. CPAC, I don't know if they could handle me. I don't know if those folks down there, I would probably traumatize them. I'd have to definitely do some trigger warnings. Can you see me going there and giving a speech? Me there with like talking about queens with clipboards and transgenders and transgender bullies and high school teachers and teacher bait and going after high school students and I don't know, rapey kangaroos and rapey emus. <laughs> but you know, I don't know if I would go there even if they invited me because it was in Florida this year and they are actually, I saw a news article where they are actually considering parking that thing in Florida permanently, probably not at the Hyatt, but I don't know if I can walk into the state of Florida and leave <laughs> with a pulse. <laughs> they might have to ship me out back to Massachusetts because I make fun, I, I do love my folks in Florida, don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I make a lot of jokes about people in Florida. I don't know if they would let me live to see another day, but, you know, who knows? CPAC, I dare you to invite me. You don't even have to give me the Ronald Reagan Award. I didn't earn it. If all that Scott Presler was doing is what gets you that award, that's not me. But, hell, I'll give a speech if you want me to. This is from Yahoo Finance. Kaepernick backs social justice SPAC disappoints in public debut. And we have talked about Colin Kaepernick, that fake social justice warrior, a couple of times on this program. And if you don't know what a SPAC is, S-P-A-C, it is a special purpose acquisition company. And that is a company with no commercial operations that is formed strictly to raise capital through an initial public offering for the purpose of acquiring an existing company. And we talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago where he was going to launch this SPAC and they were going to go out and buy a billion-dollar company and turn it into a billion-dollar woke company. But alas, folks, they did that SPAC and it just kind of went meh, right? And I can only think of one thing that caused that and it is you people, you racists out there who did not go in and clamor for his stock in his SPAC. So you folks are to blame for this. The man, look, the man just wants to get paid, right? That's what all this fake social justice action on, on Colin Kaepernick's part is. He just wants to get paid. He wants to do this SPAC and he can turn into a very, very rich man doing the woke stuff, right? And you folks are not buying his stock like you need to. So kind of meh. We'll see what goes on with that. But I don't know if he is going to see that dream as fully as he hoped for. From Fox Business, Jeep is open to dropping Cherokee name, says CEO. And we have this story, folks, we had this a couple of weeks ago, and it was because Car and Driver went to the Cherokee Nation, and they, of course, you know, a bunch of drama queens wanting to stir up more drama were like, hey, 
What do you folks, what do you Cherokee folks think of the fact that Jeep has your name splattered on the side of their cars? And of course, they were a little butthurt about it, right? So I guess this is an extension of that. And here are a couple pull quotes. The chief executive of Jeep's owner says he is open to dropping the Cherokee name after recent criticism from the Native American tribe's leadership. Carlos Tavares, chief executive officer of the recently formed Stellantis NV, said the company was engaged in dialogue with the Cherokee Nation over its use of the name. And folks, if you don't know what dialogue means or being in dialogue, that means how big does that check need to be, right? Because, you know, the Cherokee Nation folks are like, show me the money. Jeep has two models, the Cherokee Compact Sport Utility Vehicle and larger Grand Cherokee that it sells in the U.S. and beyond. <laughs> and I didn't realize that the Cherokee Nation owned the word Cherokee. Did you wipe out Malcolm X? <laughs> I guess I should be writing them a check, probably a small check, but I should be writing them a check if I'm actually saying the word Cherokee. For, I don't know how much, a dollar? dollar every time I say the word Cherokee, Cherokee, Cherokee. That's another three bucks right there. But they get to dictate to to Jeep, whether they can have Cherokee on the side of their, of their vehicles. I, of course, would be like, screw you, you don't own the word. <laughs> I'll do what I want with it. And in fact, we're going to put it on five more cars just to show you who owns the word or who doesn't. But uh, they don't want to get called racist if they use that word. So they're going to probably, I guarantee you, they're going to write a check of some magnitude to keep the Cherokee folks going, Oh, we love the fact that the word Cherokee is on the side of a Jeep. We are honored and privileged that they would choose to honor and recognize our Native American heritage and put that name on the side of one of their cars. A quick cash a check, quick cash a check. Go, 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 go. There you go. The name Cherokee is for sale. From the Washington Times, $100 trillion in new debt over 30 years, CBO. And that is the Congressional Budget Office. Let's look at that. Here's the pull quote. The government has opened up the spending spigot over the last year to deal with the coronavirus crisis, but the Congressional Budget Office says unless something changes, Uncle Sam's freewheeling ways will last long after the pandemic is over. You can say that again. Those persistent levels of debt bring significant risk to the country, the CBO said. It would increase the risk of fiscal crisis that is, a situation in which investors lose confidence in the U.S. government's ability to service and repay its debt, causing interest rates to increase abruptly, inflation to spiral upward, and other disruptions, the agency said. So you millennials and Gen Z kids out there, I mean, 30 years, wiped by Malcolm X, I will be 81 years old, so if I am still around, I will not be long for this world, but you millennials, you Gen Z kids, you Gen whatever that comes after you Gen Z kids. I don't know. I mean, you folks are running around. You're worried about, I don't know, transgender activist rights. You're worried about green this and green that and climate change and global warming. You're worried about anti-racism and you're worried about being woke and all these other social justice issues. Folks, let me tell you something, you kids out there. Your world will come crashing down with this debt. It is not a matter of if. It is a matter of when this level of debt is unsustainable. I mean, no country in world history has ever owed $30 trillion before, which is, I think, what we owe right now. $130 trillion in debt in 30 years for, I don't know, four or 500 million people, however many people live in the U.S. at that time. But enjoy that party. You guys are going to be sitting around, girls, you non-binary folks with your special pronouns and your special genders and all this. That's going to be your big concern. And that is going to be the least of your concerns when this bill comes due, but hey, enjoy it.
This is from Vox. And I don't even know why I picked a Vox story because that is nothing but trouble, but I did enjoy the headline. And how's this? Bias, disrespect, and demotions. Black employees say Amazon has a race problem. So yes, Jeff Bezos' world at Amazon is racist. And let's find out more here. A couple pull quotes. When Shannon Kelly Ray, and Kelly Ray, folks, is hyphenated, and what do I always say about people with hyphenated names, especially leftists? Angry, angry, angry. Anyway, when Shannon Kelly Ray started working at Amazon in 2019 as a global manager of diversity in the company's cloud computing division, she had big ambitions for her new job. She had nearly two decades of experience leading diversity and inclusion efforts inside important institutions like Washington State's governor's office. I don't know if that is an important institution, the governor's office in the state of Washington, but okay, Shannon, if you think so. But she'd never worked at an influential global business leader like Amazon. And this is where it gets tragic, folks. But less than a year later, Kelly Ray quit. Oh, no. Her tenure inside the company convinced her that Amazon's corporate workplace has deep, systemic issues that disadvantage black employees and their capital B black employees, folks, so they're real black employees and workers from other underrepresented backgrounds. And she was dismayed by her perception that Amazon leadership was unwilling to listen to internal experts about how to identify and fix these problems. Amazon was not doing things in a way that represent best practices that would advance diversity and inclusion in any way that is meaningful and thoughtful, she told Recode. Let me add, Amazon appeared to be taking steps backwards instead of forward. And I can only imagine, folks, what Shannon Kelly Ray's idea of best practices that would advance diversity and inclusion in a meaningful and thoughtful way look like. I have no doubt that it means lopping off a lot of white heads, which is probably not what Amazon wanted to do. They probably told her, honey, we want an evolution, not a revolution, as a friend of Mama Frost likes to say. And she probably just got butthurt about it. And she rage quit, right? Because... If you don't do, folks, if you don't do exactly what these type of people, these diversity and inclusion experts, these social justice woke warriors say to do, right? They come in, they're like, you do this and you do this and you do that. And if you're like, no, not really, or maybe let's pick half of that. If they if they don't get their way 100%, they're going to call you a racist, right? <laughs> like we've never seen that before, right? Who, who hasn't been called a racist at least 20 times by the time they're 30 or 40? <laughs> but Shannon's a little butthurt that she didn't get her way fully and she was going to come in there and make... Amazon, a woke, woke company, and they're like, slow it down, slow your roll, honey. And she was not having any of that, so off she goes, and now she's going to throw throw rocks from outside and just run around and call them a racist company. And they're going backwards, white boy Malcolm X. So she is not playing around with them. So Jeff's going to have to write him a little bit of a check there to shut her mouth. Speaking of Speaking of IT companies and racism, this is from Reuters. Exclusive, U.S. agency probes Facebook for systemic racial bias in hiring promotions. So not only is Jeff Bezos in trouble, but Mark Zuckerberg, he is also in trouble and being a racist. Here's the poll quote. A U.S. agency investigating Facebook Inc. for racial bias in hiring and promotions has designated the probe as systemic. Attorneys for three job applicants and a manager who claimed the company discriminated against them told Reuters on Friday. A systemic probe means the agency, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, suspects company policies may be contributing to widespread discrimination. So Mark Zuckerberg, who likes to lecture everyone else and block people on his platform from saying anything horrible, 
is apparently nothing but a racist and a bigot and runs a racist and bigoted organization, Facebook. So you folks at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, have fun reaming him out. From ABC News, I don't even know why I have this story. Representative Swalwell sues Trump over alleged role in capital assault. I'm not really going to read that. But anyway, this drama queen is suing Donald Trump and a couple other people for emotional distress. Oh, poor princess. It's so hard being you, Representative Eric Swalwell. And if you don't know who he is, this is the guy, folks, that was banging the Chinese spy. And her name was, I don't know, Fing Fing Fang Fang Fung Fung. <laughs> Whatever it was, duplicate names. But he was banging some Chinese spy. And don't worry, he is still, folks, he is still on the U.S. House of Representatives Intelligence Committee. <laughs> So he still has full access to the nation's secrets, even though he was uh, played by a Chinese spy. (laughs) I tell you what, this is why people hate politicians. No shame. That man has no shame and no sense of embarrassment. So you have fun, Representative Eric Swalwell, with your emotional distress claims. This is from Queerty, tracking a bisexual cannibal killer in one of the scariest internet mysteries ever. And what do I say about bisexuals? They will do anyone, right? So I guess if you are a bisexual cannibal killer, you will eat anyone. (laughs) Yummy. And this is from folks. There is apparently on Netflix, there is a, a documentary called Don't F with Cats. And here's a little bit of the pull quote for that. In 2010, a viral video titled One Boy, Two Kittens caused an internet uproar. The footage in question showed an unidentified man playing with two kittens before torturing and killing them on camera. Cat lovers on the web united to track down the killer, following a trail of other disturbing videos, eventually lifting on Luca Magnata, a self-styled model with a history as a con artist, escort, adult film performer, and internet celebrity. And I wonder, White by Malcolm X, if Luca had an OnlyFans account as well. A cat-and-mouse internet chase ensued as Magnata seemed to revel in baiting his cat-loving detractors, eventually releasing another video showing him murder a college student named Jun Lin before engaging in necrophilia and cannibalizing the body. So if you want to watch that, folks, that is on Netflix. Don't F with cats. And to finish up our news quick hits, this is from Blaze Media. Obama reportedly said Pete Buttigieg couldn't win presidency because he's gay (laughs) and short. Man, Barack. That is harsh. And he said that, folks. He said that back in October 2019. Of course, there is no backlash. I have not heard a word about that in the mainstream media, but Barack went after Pete. Funny thing is, though, I was like, hmm, well, how short is Pete Buttigieg, right? Because if Barack Obama is calling him not only gay, obviously, well, duh, but, uh, but short as well. I'm like, well, how short is he? So I'm like Googling, you know, Pete Buttigieg, Queen, short, whatever, height, and I couldn't find anything. That is a state secret if there ever was one. We could not get a hold of his driver's license, obviously, to see. But if there's one thing I know, men lie about their height. (laughs) You know, up to a certain point, right? If you're six foot or above, you don't really have to lie about your height, right? I'm 6'3". I don't have to lie about that, even if I were 6'2". If I say I'm 6'3", what does that matter? Nothing, right? But if you are like 5'8", 5'9", you're going to lie your ass off and you're going to be like, well, I'm 5'10", or I'm (laughs) 5'11". You know, no, you're not. You stupid queen. You were 5'8". If there was uh, ever a queen in front of me who was 5'8", it's you, right? But uh, rumor has it he is a short little thing. I would dare call him a pocket gay. Yes, pocket gay, white 
like a little guy. You just pick him up, put him in your pocket, right? Six foot three, you got a little guy there. Did I ever tell you the Louis story? Ah, okay, folks, I'll tell you a quick one. Anyway, this was back in the day, probably almost 30 years ago. So like I said, I'm six three, right? And I actually went out with for a couple months. The guy was like five foot six. <laughs> yes, he was five foot six. He was a tiny little thing. He was a he was a pocket gay, right? You pick him up, put him in your pocket, right? He was just like this little tiny little pocket gay. So that's what I think of when I think of Pete Buttigieg now. He is just nothing but a pocket queen. Because he's not even a pocket gay. He is a full-on queen. So Pete Buttigieg is a pocket queen. We'll figure it out, though, folks. When we know exactly how short that little short queen is, we will let you know. <laughs> Bless his little heart. I wonder how, how tall he says he is, because we know that's a lie. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into our news pile. And yes, white boy Malcolm X gay is at the front. Smoking gun is at the back. And I believe it is a Florida smoking gun story. So, the, hey, the roll continues and actually i have two smoking gun stories folks so i put one in the middle because it's not from florida so it's not worthy to wrap up the show with but anyway from campus reform new harvard web app will ease anxiety around finding gender inclusive bathrooms for students harvard university is developing a web application that will show where gender inclusive restrooms are located across campus the project titled the gender inclusive restroom mapping hopes to prevent discrimination and anxiety, anxiety, white boy Malcolm X, for gender nonconforming individuals who aren't able to find the appropriate restroom on campus. Harvard also stated that it is a public health concern. According to the Harvard Crimson, the university created four separate working groups that will help with the project. Four. (laughs) Good God, one wasn't enough? No, not at Harvard. Four. The signage, inventory, mapping technologies, and promotion communication working groups collaborated to determine the location of restrooms across campus and consulted with groups to promote awareness. Harvard published a PDF that gives a summary and the intended impact of the project. The gender-inclusive restroom mapping project for Harvard University seeks to ensure that all Harvard community members, including those who are transgender, gender non-binary, and gender non-conforming, have accurate and inclusive means of locating restrooms at Harvard, the flyer states. Specifically, the project will inventory and discreetly communicate via a web application the location of gender-inclusive restrooms across Harvard's Cambridge, Alston, and Boston campuses. One section of the PDF explains that individuals will be able to search for and find detailed information about each restroom. Harvard also explains the intended impact of the project, stating, Discrimination against transgender, gender non-binary, and gender non-conforming people in the public restrooms often leads to experiences of anxiety around restroom use, restroom avoidance, and lack of restroom access. It goes on to explain that this is a public health concern, which sometimes causes individuals to travel long distances to find the appropriate bathroom. The app will provide access to safe restrooms and will reduce anxiety. And just so they can virtue signal... This reduces time spent searching for such facilities. And white boy Malcolm X, can you see that? Transgenders running around the Harvard campus with their phones out and their apps going, where's the bathroom, where's the bathroom, where's the bathroom? I gotta pee, I gotta pee. (laughs) You got an app for that now. There is an app for that. Anyway, ameliorates fears surrounding exclusion or harassment and signals in a high-impact, low-cost fashion that Harvard is a community in which we not only celebrate diversity, we honor it. Oh, aren't they nice? White boy Malcolm X, I have a question for you, though, because this is Harvard University, correct? Yes, that's what I thought, right? So this, folks, this is Harvard University. This is one of the wokest places in the Boston area. And let me tell you something, folks, there are a lot of woke places in Boston, but they are among the wokest 
of the woke, right? And I mean, not as woke as me, right? Miller Frost is probably, I am one of the most woke people that I know, but they're pretty woke down there. I have a question for the folks at Harvard, as woke as they are, as politically correct as they are on those campuses, and those campuses are like East Germany back in the day, right? They they got patrols, they're looking for anyone who was not woke, and they're going to go, go get them, right? They're going to get them and chase them off campus, right? They're not going to put up with anything that is not woke on the Harvard campus. So the question I have for the folks at Harvard is, if you are filled with woke folk down at the Harvard campus, why do you need gender-inclusive bathrooms on your campuses, right? Because you are amongst the wokest of everyone. You folks down there pat yourselves on the back so much, I can't believe you haven't sprained you know, your rotator cuffs more often. You pat yourselves on the back because you are as politically correct and as woke as possible. But for some reason, you feel like you've got campuses full of transphobes out there that you've got to secretly put out this app to show people where the safe bathrooms are, right? You should have a campus. If you guys are as PC, you gals, you non-binary folks down at Harvard, if you all are as PC as you like to brag to the rest of the world that you are, you should be able to have a woman with a penis walk into a women's restroom and nobody bat an eye, nobody have a second thought about it. In fact, if a woman with a penis walked into a women's room, the other women, even if they are cisgendered women, she would say, hi, welcome to the ladies room. Enjoy, right? That's the way it should be at Harvard. But apparently, folks, Harvard is so rife with transphobes that they've got to have this gender-inclusive restroom mapping project because the, that's the only safe place that a transgender person or a non-binary person on Harvard's campus can safely use the restroom. <laughs> it's good to know how woke and PC they are down at Harvard. I love it, White Boy Malcolm X. I just, I love it when they virtue signal like that. Look, they're coming out with this great app and it's so wonderful and all the transgenders can use it so they know where the safe bathrooms are. And you're like, I thought your entire campus was one big safe space. Uh, well, um, yes, but. <laughs> so, bunch of frauds down at Harvard. What do I always say? They're a bunch of douchebags down there, right? Now they're transphobic douchebags. This is from the College Fix, and it looks like we just missed this event, folks, but we're still going to cover it. Tulane Sex Week features racially segregated black sex event. And White Boy Malcolm X, I wonder, do you know if, because you're fake black, right? So I don't know if you're going to have a segregated black sex event, if people who identify as black, right? You're fake black, right? You identify as black. If you could go there, you've got, uh, what was that chick's name? Rachel Dolezal. I wonder if she could go there because she does identify as black or if that is just you have got to be true on capital be black to go into this thing or if you identify as well. Doesn't really say here, but let's go ahead and learn more about segregated black sex event at Tulane. Tulane University is hosting Sex Week this week, billed by organizers as a diverse week of comprehensive, queer inclusive, culturally specific, sex positive sexual health events and conversations. Scheduled events include a session called Let's Talk About Black Sex, Baby, open exclusively to black students, organizers on Instagram Note. According to the university's website, the Black Sex event on Thursday, March 4th, will feature a safe space to talk about black sexuality. It's a panel of students and faculty discussing the unique experiences black femme-identifying and non-binary people face on campus. And folks, I have no idea what black femme identifying is. I don't know if that is an effeminate capital B black person or not. I don't know what the unique experience is, but apparently they had a panel about it. 
The event will also include a, God, a sex toy giveaway. So if you went to this panel listening to them yap on about black femme identifying and non-binary people and their unique experiences of having sex, you might be in the running for a sex toy. <laughs> I don't know what the sex toy is, but I guess we can find out at some point. Also on tap is a genital diversity gallery. Hmm. Who knew there was that? Friday's genital gallery. <laughs> I'm going to the genital gallery. I'm so, I'm so fancy. Is the first project to create anatomically exact tools based on human molding techniques and present the vast spectrum of genitalia, assigned male, assigned female, intersex, trans, and with voluntary or forced surgeries to destigmatize genitals and celebrate the diversity of bodies that exist, the university's website states. So if you just want to go look at a bunch of vaginas and penises, <laughs> models of them, there you go. You could go to the genital gallery. Another event is talk on embodied sexuality, the goal of which is to really embody your sexuality radically and authentically. The event will feature a guided sexual embodiment practice along with a releasing ritual, which I assume is an orgasm. Organizers posted a link to a press kit on their website, which contains a list of learning objectives for the week. One of the listed objectives is to increase acceptance of social norms around body sovereignty, equitable power dynamics, behaviors in healthy relationships, and sex positivity and the rejection of rape culture and myths. Many of the events advertise distributions of contraceptives and other safe sex materials, as well as demonstrations on how to use them. <laughs> so... If you make it to college, folks, and you don't know how to put a condom on a penis, God. I guess at Tulane, a bunch of virgins down there, they're like, oh, I don't know, what do you do with this? I don't know. So I guess if you get to college, they're teaching kids in college, white boy Malcolm X, how to put a condom on a penis. Good God. And this is why I joke about buildings full of woke white virgin boys working for Twitter and Facebook and Amazon and all those other kind of tech companies. Because in college, they have to teach them how to put a condom on. Other universities have hosted similar sex weeks, including Harvard. God, Harvard's back. Where students 3D printed their own dildos. <laughs> I can... Wow, there are so many jokes there, I just don't even know where to begin. And Northwestern, where attendees learned about masturbation for manifestation. So another one that uh, teaches you how to masturbate. So there you go, folks, at Tulane University. We just missed sex week, but next year, maybe we can get ahead of the game and we could go to the General Diversity Gallery and learn how to put a condom on a penis. <laughs> this is from the Postmillennial. Reporters instructed to stop using the term pedophile in reporting about child sex abusers. In an effort to protect the feelings of pedophiles. So yes, folks, we need to protect the feelings of pedophiles, journalists, and Tasmania. And if you're not sure where that is, folks, that is on an island due south of Melbourne in Australia, have been instructed to avoid calling those who abuse children pedophiles, as this is believed to marginalize those who have the condition of pedophilia. And we don't want to marginalize anyone in this day and age, folks. We know that. Certainly, certainly not pedophiles, because that apparently is now a condition. Hmm. Who knew? But that does remind me of a, and I think it was in the, and don't quote me on this, I think it was in The Advocate, though, probably about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, there was an article in there, and the writer of the article was arguing that pedophilia, the sexual attraction to children, 
is a sexual orientation. So you can't judge these folks, right? If they get turned on by a six-year-old and they want to have sex with a six-year-old, there's nothing wrong with that because that's just their orientation. They're just oriented towards to the little ones, right? Which is kind of gross, but apparently here it is also considered a a condition, and so you really shouldn't call them pedophiles. I don't know what you call them, right? The child rapist? Now that probably would be a little bit too harsh. White boy Malcolm X? I don't know if Kitty Lover, God. I don't know if Kitty Lover is appropriate either. To me, this is similar to like anti-Semite, right? What is an anti-Semite? It's a Jew hater, right? It's just an, I don't know, it's a nicer way of saying Jew hater because you don't want to go around saying Jew hater, right? So you say, oh, they're just an anti-Semite or they're anti-Semitic, right? And that that's kind of like pedophilia, right? He's just a pedophile, right? No, he's a, he's a child rapist, right? He rapes children, right? But we want to call it a pedophile instead of a child rapist or a kitty lover, according to white boy Malcolm X. But anyway, let's find out more about that. The determination was made after a reporter had a conversation with the Sexual Assault Support Service in the region over the weekend, during which those concerns were raised, according to The Australian. The conversation was allegedly regarding a man who was a pedophile and killed himself while facing charges on multiple counts of child sex abuse and the creation of media showing child sex abuse. James Jeffrey Griffin was a former nurse and took his life in 2019. In an email sent to ABC journalists, staff were instructed against using the term pedophile even when they are describing a person who preys on children and has sexually assaulted children in a serial manner. Apparently, calling those people pedophiles makes people who are also pedophiles feel that they are being discriminated against. (laughs) Oh, poor babies! The email from a senior producer stated that Sexual Assault Support Service on the weekend mentioned their concerns about describing Griffin as a pedophile, and went on to say, we should avoid it unless we know he had a clinical diagnosis of pedophilia and instead use sexual serial offender slash predator or a sexual abuser of children and young people. So I don't know what's worse. Would you rather be called a pedophile or a sexual abuser of children and young people? I would think pedophile would be the better choice, but I guess I'm neither, so I don't, I don't know. But I guess they're butthurt if you call them a pedophile, but I don't know what else you would call them. And no, White by Malcolm X, Kitty Lover is not an option. Only those pedophiles who have been diagnosed by a medical professional as pedophiles are to be referred to in that manner. Anyone else is to be termed more generically, like sexual abuser of children and young people. So you got to have a shrink call you a pedophile before you can call someone a pedophile. Steve Fisher, a spokesperson for Beyond Abuse, said that this was a confusing new directive and undoubtedly unnecessary. If you start changing language that has been used in the media for years, there is a risk that society may be confused, Fisher said. And Steve Fisher, where the hell have you been the last 20 years? Man, I tell you what, what do you think the media has been doing but changing the language for the last 20 years? Look, Steve, I wouldn't worry about it. They're not going to be confused for long. You know, you repeat the big lie often enough, people will start to believe it. In our experience, Fisher said, continuing on, the public believe if it's pedophilia, call it pedophilia. If it's rape, call it rape, not sexual assault, which can mean anything from touching to raping someone. Well, I guess it's good to know that Australia has been infected with PC language, but if you are down under, as they like to say, please do not, if you see a man raping a six or seven-year-old, hell, a two-year-old, whatever, do not call them a pedophile. Please do not do that. Please call them a sexual abuser of children and young people. 
Or you can ask them, have you, sir or ma'am or non-binary person of molesting this child, have you been diagnosed by a shrink as a pedophile? And if they say yes, then you may call them a pedophile. <laughs> Thankfully, the sexual assault support service in Australia is on top of those sorts of linguistic gymnastics. From the Sacramento Bee, California, good God, would ban boys and girls sections at big retailers under proposed law. California's big retailers would have to do away with boys and girls signage for toys and child care aisles under a bill being considered by state lawmakers. And since it's California, you know that puppy's getting signed into law here soon. Assembly Bill 1084 would require retailers with 500 or more employees to maintain undivided areas of its sales floor where the majority of those items being offered are displayed, regardless of whether an item has traditionally been marketed for either girls or for boys, according to the Legislative Council's digest of the bill. The bill would also prohibit the use of signage to indicate whether a particular child care item or toy is for boys or girls. Online retailers with a physical presence in California would be required to label their toy and child care sections in a unisex or gender-neutral way. The bill, which if passed, would go into effect January 1, 2024, contains a provision to punish violating retailers with a $1,000 civil penalty. The bill is co-authored by Assemblyman Evan Lowe, Democrat of Campbell, who chairs the California Legislative LGBT Caucus, so Evan is a queen, and Assemblywoman Christina Garcia, who's a Democrat from Bell Gardens, who chairs the California Legislative Women's Caucus. Lowe said that he was inspired by Target's 2015 decision to abolish gendered kids' sections. As much as I'd like to think of this as watershed legislation, this is something the industry is already doing. We're just trying to play catch-up, he said. So this Queen Evan Lowe, why are they trying to play catch-up if they are already, if the industry is already doing this, right? If Target and others are like, man, we're in California, we got to appear woke or they're going to come get us. So they're already doing this kind of stuff. And Evan's like, well, they're already doing it, but we're just going to make sure that they do it if they haven't already. We're going to force this right down their throats. You have fun with that, Evan. And this, folks, this is where it kind of gets interesting because, let's face it, in California, this sort of nuttiness, it's par for the course, right? It's like, okay, they're going to force all these retailers to do this. That's just typical California. Who cares? But this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Lawmakers had helped crafting the language of the bill from Rob Smith, founder and CEO of The Fluid Project, a gender-free fashion brand. And Fluid is P-H-L-U-I-D. So Rob was being a little cheeky with The Fluid Project. Fashion and gender is just like everything else. It's always changing and evolving, Smith said in an interview. Smith acknowledged that the bill would likely face critics, but said it isn't taking anything away from anyone. He said this is just part of the process by which society gradually changes. I just want to remind people we're always in a state of unlearning and relearning, he said. So White Boy Malcolm X, let me make sure I have this correct Rob Smith, the founder and CEO of The Fluid Project, which is a gender-free fashion brand, he is helping to write legislation which would ban, ban boy and girl signage for toys and child care aisles at big box retailers. So, I mean, that's convenient, right, folks, that this guy, all of a sudden, they're not going to have any of this kind of gendered clothing and all this other stuff. And here's a guy who happens to write the bill, right, comes along, he's like, I have this whole collection of gender-neutral clothing. Would you like to sell that in your stores? Because you can't have gender clothing anymore, right? So this schmuck has helped to write the bill, and guess who's going to profit off that? He is. (laughs) Can you imagine, though, being some poor woman 
And all she wants to do is go into Target and get her son some, like, tidy whities She goes into the Target and like, where's the boy section? I need to get my son some tidy whitey underwear. He's out of underwear. And then the salesperson would be like, excuse me, ma'am. You're not allowed to say that here at Target. We don't have gendered sections. How dare you? How dare you? dare you come into our store and ask for boys' clothing? You transphobic pig. Get out of here. Go to Sears. Go to JCPenney, you monster. <laughs> That's what it's going to come to, folks. In, uh, in California, you go in and ask for the boys' section or the girls' section, you are going to get lectured to by some queen at the front door. <laughs> I will never look at a Walmart greeter again. <laughs> because Don't ask them that in California. This is from the Federalist. Cleveland State Professor is indoctrinating the next generation of educators with critical race theory. Two education majors at Cleveland State University did not realize when they signed up for a class titled The Social Context of Urban Education that they would be lectured on white privilege, implied racism, and forced to learn critical race theory from a Robin D'Angelo textbook. Folks, if you don't know who Robin D'Angelo is, she is a white woman getting rich, 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 rich rich off of throwing other white people under the bus. <laughs> so that is her shtick. And I guess she's got more book sales from this class. And you folks, you two education majors, that is all on you. <laughs> if you go into a college course on anything, I don't care. You can go to a mathematics course on a college campus these days and you will be lectured to on white privilege, implied racism, and be forced to learn critical race theory. So shame on you for going into this class. But Let's find out more about what's going on with this nutty class. The course is being taught by Molly Fighali. And folks, if you haven't guessed it already, Molly is as white as they come. <laughs> oh, yes. Another white chick throwing white people under the bus, whose students say has prohibited white people from using the word ghetto in the classroom due to its supposedly racist connotation. One paper Fighali has assigned for the class asks students to spend time reflecting on your educational journey thus far, and describe how has your positionality, intersectionality, impacted your journey. Another asked students to create a graphical representation of how prejudice, discrimination, implicit bias, power, oppression, and socialization are interrelated and impact the isms. The radicalism of Bengali is unsurprising given the substance of her doctoral thesis. The 2018 thesis, titled Interracial Contact at a Diverse High School, how School and Community Structures Shape Students' Experiences is 126 pages of leftist buzzwords. It states that unconscious bias manifests in microaggressions and that white privilege means white students are inherently ignorant. Students are also expected to produce a social justice project, part of which involves creating racial profiles of identities in a school district neighborhood of their choice in Cleveland. After analyzing racial and ethnic composition, as well as other factors of a given population, students are tasked with defining who is inherently disadvantaged due to biological factors. And I would say that would be an easy one, right? Because generally you would just say, hey, the BIPOC folk, right? But we've had a couple of articles where queens are now coming out and saying we are the most disproportionately disadvantaged. So I don't know where you would go with that. But if Fagali there, Dr. Fagali there is... Uh, making them read Robin D'Angelo books, then you already know what the answer she wants to get, the woke one. So if you are an education major or any other major and you happen to take her class, just all you need to do is put in the paper, Whitey sucks, boom, there you go, you got the A. Here is the first of our two smoking gun stories. Cops, woman 39, successfully smuggled loaded firearm hidden in body cavity into Missouri jail. 
a Missouri woman. So folks, we are in Missouri. We are not in Florida yet. So calm down. We'll be there soon enough. Arrested last month on drug and weapons charges, had a small revolver hidden in a body cavity that went undetected during a strip search and two pat-downs, police report. So in other words, none of those police gloves are not wanted to touch her too much. <laughs> so I can only imagine what they found when they saw her naked. The four-inch 22 caliber firearm, fully loaded with five rounds, was discovered yesterday by personnel at the Boone County Jail. The weapon was found among the personal belongings of Amy Natasha Wilhite, 39, who was booked into the facility on February 14th following her arrest by the Columbia Police Department. Wilhite was charged with possession of methamphetamine, and that, folks, that is exactly what you want. A meth junkie with a loaded firearm shoved up her vajayjay, resisting arrest, unlawful possession of a firearm, and possession of drug paraphernalia. And I, folks, I have to say this as a random aside, I kind of feel bad for the meth junkies because for them to do their drug, they have to have the drug paraphernalia, right? So if you're smoking weed, right, you can just smoke the weed. You don't need the bong. You don't need, I don't know, pipe or whatever the hell they also smoke. You can just have a joint, right? You can smoke that thing. There's no drug paraphernalia involved. You can eat brownies, right? The dope brownies. You can just eat that. There's no drug paraphernalia. But a meth junkie, a heroin junkie, they got to have the needle or the spoon and the lighter and the, I don't know what else they do with these drugs but they have to have the drug paraphernalia. So I feel kind of bad for them that it's like adding insult to injury, right? You get charged with having the drug and then you get charged a second time for having the stuff that you used to take the drug in the first place. <laughs> Folks, you just need to do cocaine, right? You can just snort that thing right up. No drug paraphernalia. You only get one charge, not two. She was also booked for failing to, yes, white boy Malcolm X, cocaine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what drugs you do without the drug paraphernalia. I don't do drugs. I guess acid, you could do acid with that. Mushrooms, magic mushrooms. I guess you can put that on uh, food or something. I'm, I'm just trying, ecstasy you could do. I don't I don't know. I seem to know a lot, but I don't, I don't know. Okay, anyway, uh, moving on. She was also booked for failing to appear in court in connection with prior callers for domestic assault and drunk driving. So this chick, she beats on people. Investigators believe that Will Height had the gun concealed in her vagina upon entering the jail and that she removed the firearm from her body and concealed it within her personal belongings. The discovery of the gun resulted in Will Height being charged with another felony. So she's getting multiple felonies for allegedly introducing a weapon into a correctional facility. <laughs> you folks in Missouri, if you are going to jail... You get arrested. Do not shove a loaded gun up your vajayjay or any other cavity. If you are a male, do not shove it in the other place because that damn thing might go off. And you are in for a world of hurt doing that. So you have fun there, Amy, in, uh, in jail with your multiple felonies. White by Malcolm X, I think this is like our pedophile episode or something. <laughs> How's this headline? Arizona lawmaker opposes stricter punishment for child sex predators saying it would harm people of color. An Arizona lawmaker is opposing stricter punishment of child sex offenders, saying that the proposed bill would hurt people of color. House Bill 2889 seeks to raise the sentences of convicted child molesters and rapists to mandatory life behind bars. Currently, child sex predators in the Grand Canyon State can face anywhere from 10 to 20 years in prison, with the potential for probation, parole, or work release but not everyone supports introducing stricter punishments for convicted sex criminals. Representative Pamela Powers Hanley, a Democrat representing the 9th District, which includes Tucson, was the lone legislator who had voted against the bill on Monday. If our justice system were fair, 
the prison population would reflect the country's population in terms of race and ethnicity, Hanley later wrote on Facebook. So this goes to what we were talking about on Wednesday's podcast about equity, equity of outcomes. So it's not a matter of who's actually doing the crimes. The people that are going to get locked up for it have to be a diverse coalition that represents the country as a whole. So if the country is 70% white, then 70% of the people in jail need to be white and not a percentage less. We all know that people of color are disproportionately in prison in this country. The 69-year-old progressive also uploaded a video elaborating on her opposition to the proposed law change. Why would I vote against this bill? Because we know that the justice system in the United States is not colorblind. Hanley acknowledged that the bill relates to child sex abuse, which she admitted is a tough subject, but she stressed the importance of abolishing mandatory sentencing regardless of the crime's nature. If you're against mandatory sentencing, you're against mandatory sentencing, Hanley said. She says her goal is to reduce incarceration numbers. And look, folks, how well that is turning out in New York City. Did you know, White by Malcolm X, they're closing Rikers Island in, in New York. They're going to be opening up these regional or these area prisons, and they're going to get rid of that. They're shutting that down. And in the meantime, they have released thousands and thousands and thousands of prisoners out of Rikers Island under the guise of social justice and COVID and every other excuse in the book. And wow, shazam, look at the crime rate in New York. Who wouldn't want to go down there and live in that paradise? And so this idiot, that's all she is. Pamela Powers Hanley is a complete moron. She wants to just release people out of jail because of her woke white guilt. And what do you think is going to happen to the crime rate in Arizona if she gets her way? Well, apparently a lot more child rapes because that's what she wants to do is, well, we can't we can't have that. We can't lock those people up for too long. And the murders and the other rapists and the other criminals, let them run free in Arizona. Hanley had previously called herself the Bernie Sanders of Tucson with Hillary Clinton's gender issues during her successful 2016 campaign. Hey, Hillary Clinton has a lot of gender issues, let me tell you that, folks, where she defeated an incumbent Democrat in the primary. You child rapists, but you don't want to say pedophile, right? You child rapists in Arizona. Well, I guess you're going to jail. She lost, but uh, you think she's going to stop there? No. So at some point, pedophiles will run free in Arizona. We're almost done, Whiteboy Malcolm X. We have uh, three stories left. We are almost done. And folks, for you out there who are sensitive in nature, you might want to skip ahead about, I don't know, five minutes or so. If you hear me talking about Rudy Giuliani's daughter, Caroline, you know you're safe. But I'll give you the headline. Again, this is from Pink News. 10-inch top reveals the pros and cons of having a truly giant penis. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a blessing. (laughs) You know... This is the type of story that was made for the Miller Frost Show, and we're going to report on it. I almost actually almost put this at the top of the program, but I figured eh, let's ease into it first. Let's, uh, but let's go and dig in. If you don't want to hear about this, skip ahead. But I know you size queens out there. I know you want to hear about this. For Matt Lonick, it's almost routine at this point. He turns towards his date, takes off his joggers, and waits for the reaction he knows will come. It comes. The two lock eyes. They smile at one another. The reaction, the 30-year-old OnlyFans legend told Pick News, so this mule (laughs) is on OnlyFans, folks, is almost always the same towards his huge 10-inch penis. First come the questions. Yes, it is heavy, he says. 
Yes, he has to wear tight underwear to keep it in place. Yes, it is larger than a standard bottle of sun lotion, mouthwash, or energy drink can. No, he would never change it if given the option. And yes, he has an OnlyFans. On his vastly anonymous account on the peer-to-peer subscription app, where creators often post homemade explicit content, he goes simply as 10-inch London, leaving no doubt to the imagination of what he packs down below. Whether he's using a urinal, changing in a locker room, relaxing in a steam room, walking through the office, or strolling down a public park, people comment on the size of Lonick's package daily. Yet more than a decade ago, the guy who goes by 10-inch London, who has more than 120,000 Twitter followers, eager for the latest video of his almighty penis, <laughs> I can't believe I'm reading this, had no idea he was, well, very well above average. I grew up in a small village, so I actually didn't realize how big it was until I left there and went to university. Lonick, who lives between Manchester and London, England, recalled. So I guess this is the small village of mules, white boy Malcolm X, if that was just the average there. My penis is just one part of me at the end of the day, so I try not to let it have too much influence on my personality, but it's certainly given me a lot of confidence over the years. A self-described exhibitionist, Lonick is all about his partner's pleasure. He's not your regular top, though packing a python is not all pros, he admitted. When I first moved to London, I did struggle with people fetishizing me for my size, Lonick recalled. Most guys say it's the biggest they've ever seen, so you do come across some people who are only interested in you for that and not the other things that you have to offer. But I'm you size queens in London, I know how you are. But I'm happy for that experience as it opened my eyes to the interest that a truly giant penis generates, which led me to the road of creating content and the rest is history. Another potential con is not knowing how to use your size. If you are truly huge, many bottoms can struggle to take it. Not those power bottoms in London, I bet if you don't take things slowly and gently to start with. This was something I realized very early on and a skill I mastered quickly after I moved to London. (laughs) And I really don't know what to say about that, folks. I just, you know, I will say this. I will say that, uh, you know, we talked about when we had that uh, camper story where that camp in Michigan was like, we only want men who are men, right? You got to show up with the hardware. And I said at the time, look, I'm sure there are gay men who are into transgender men, but most men are gay because they like men who are men in like all things, right? And they have that, you know, they have a penis, right? They don't have a vagina, right? That's uh, that's not a man to most men. And I know that's transphobic and horrible to say, right? But that's reality, right? We can, uh, we can deny reality all we want, but that is the reality. Men want to be with other men. You know, this guy is like the perfect example of what I mean and perfect... <laughs> Plus, right, uh, that is what men write, especially those power bottoms in England. They're like, man, that is exactly what I want. I want the 10 inches. Give it to me, girl. That is, that's what I mean, right? Someone shows up and like, I don't want your vagina. I want a 10-inch penis, right? So, I don't know. This poor Matt Lonick, he may be called a transphobe for, for encouraging men to want that 10 inches. He should be encouraging them to want the 10 inches or a vagina and want it equally. So, Matt, you need to get with the program, sir, or you are going to be in a lot of trouble. Bless that guy's heart, man. (laughs) 10 inches, white boy Malcolm X. Good God. This is from page six, the New York Post gossip site. Rudy Giuliani's daughter has opened up about her love of threesomes, saying three-way sex has made her a better person. In a piece for Vanity Fair titled A Unicorn's Tale, Three-Way Sex with Couples Has Made Me a Better Person, His Honor's daughter, Caroline Rose Giuliani, 
openly discusses her sexual escapades with other couples. The piece, which opens with the words, I want to watch my boyfriend bend you over. (laughs) Can you imagine Rudy Giuliani reading this going, dear God, what the hell? Caroline, the 32-year-old daughter of Rudy Giuliani and Donna Hanover, writes, I had known for some time I was at least bisexual. Well, folks, everyone knows what a bisexual is. They will do anyone, but had barely explored that side of my sexuality. I knew I wanted to experience new dynamics. After signing up for a dating site for unicorns, and unicorns, I would think that would be a website for queens, but no, women who agree to have sex with couples. Caroline writes, one woman I chatted with mentioned she was looking for someone to dominate her but be submissive to her boyfriend. I am typically more sexually submissive, but as we were texting, which quickly turned to sexting, I tried on this authoritative sexual persona. I was pleased to discover that, having been submissive myself, finding the language to turn Isabella on came naturally to me. After meeting the couple in a bar, she describes in detailed literature, we went back to their place. At one point, Oliver and I had sex while Isabella watched actively. And folks, I have no idea what watching actively means, but I can imagine she was a cuck queen, which is a woman who enjoys role-playing humiliation this way. Many aspects of the encounter were pleasurable and fun. I bet, honey. But the most engrossing sensation was feeling Oliver's palpable love for Isabella. His desire to fulfill her was the deeper motivation for filling me. (laughs) I think that's called an overshare. Caroline concludes that after the experience, she identifies as pansexual. And folks, what do we know about pansexuals here on the Miller Frost Show? They are just snooty bisexuals. (laughs) And admitting she has battled anxiety and depression for her entire life, she writes. The incredible moments of connection and transformation I've shared with these couples reminds me that my expansive mind is a gift. (laughs) So Rudy and Donna, I hope you are proud of your daughter. She is a wonderful young lady, and she is doing it all over New York with lots and lots of different couples. (laughs) I bet that's an interesting Thanksgiving dinner discussion, White Boy Malcolm X. Anyway, moving on to our last, our final story, the smoking gun, of course. Cops, ex-con used cat to clobber man. An ex-con is behind bars after she allegedly struck her male roommate in the face with the pair's cat, according to an arrest report. So she threw her pussy at him, white boy Malcolm. Actually hurled that cat right at him. Damn. Police say that Wendy Hurd, 56, and the 73-year-old victim were involved in a verbal argument late Sunday evening in their Largo, Florida home when the dispute turned violent. Hurd, cops said, took their cat and threw it on the victim's face, causing the cat to scratch the victim's face. Hurd then followed up the feline attack by striking the man in the face. So if having a cat in your face is not bad enough, she came and went to pummel him after. The victim suffered minor injuries during the incident, for which Heard was arrested for domestic battery on a person over the age of 65, a felony. Damn, white boy Malcolm X. If you beat on a 65-year-old person or above in Florida, which I think is like 98% of the population, so if you go around and pop an elderly person, that is a felony. Boom, you are done. One of the rare felonies, folks, one of the rarest of felonies in, in the state of Florida, if you beat on an old person. Heard is being held in the county jail in lieu of $4,000 bond and has been ordered by a judge to have no contact with the victim. No word on if she can see her pussy. And folks, if you think that is her first rodeo, uh uh-uh, God. Here's the fun part. 
Heard's rap sheet includes an assortment of convictions for crimes like theft, battery, drunk driving, possession of drug paraphernalia. Here we go again. No drug charges, though, huh? Prostitution. So, folks, if you have seen Wendy Heard, you'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> that makes no sense. But, yeah, the desperate are out there, folks, and they will pay anyone for whatever. And I guess she is up there, a 56-year-old prostitute. I can only imagine that experience. But, uh, hey, different strokes for different folks and probation violation. Following a 2005 conviction for battery on a law enforcement officer, Heard spent nearly five years in state prison. She had previously served a year in prison for escaping from police custody. Damn, this chick gets around. And if you think that's bad, there's more. In 2018, Heard was arrested for allegedly battering the same man who was identified as the victim in her new case. Prosecutors, however, subsequently declined to pursue a felony charge against Heard. So she got out of a felony, white boy Malcolm X. She beat this guy a couple years ago. And she got out of that felony. She learned her lesson. No. The victim is described in 2018 court records as a platonic roommate of Hurd's who previously had been a romantic partner. I do wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, if the pussy to the face, if that is the straw that will break the camel's back here because Wendy has already beaten this guy once. Now she's done it twice. Will he go back to her? Because I don't know. I don't know what she's going to throw at him next. God knows. But uh, I wonder if he's going to do that. Hopefully not. Hopefully this 73-year-old is not so lonely that he's uh, hanging out with a 56-year-old ex-prostitute who throws cats in his face and beats on him several times. But hopefully he moves on. But we'll find out, won't we? The smoking gun will always be on the case on these sorts of things. And on that note, folks, since I cannot top pussy to the face, (laughs) cats to the face, I know some of you people out there going, you shouldn't be using that word. Well, too late. I already did it. But on that note, we are going to get out of here for a couple days. Thank you so much, everyone, for stopping by this podcast of The Miller Frost Show. We will be back on Wednesday for another edition. But in the meantime, have a great rest of your weekend and a great start to your week. Take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.